Oh, Elder Jacob just mentioned the invisible, sometimes feels invisible, but actually is visible. Your giving uh, to Vision in Action is what made this remodeled space possible. Um, to Vision Capital, I'm sorry. And then your giving to Vision in Action makes the rest possible. And there are also some ways that you give that are now visible to us too, because there was a huge team that made this possible to be present in here. There were deacons that worked really hard to set up. Uh, Jason, the AV team, and the media team that worked really hard to get everything set up. Carrie and David, who worked hard to get things set up. So many here. So we just want to stop and thank them for getting uh, the transition <laughs> happening over here. And uh, I love kids' art during sermons. And at the door this morning, I was given this. This is all of the congregation, all of you sitting right here. And he said, that's me, and so has my name. And then I was like, oh, good, and what's inside? And it was, of course, a fire-breathing dragon on the inside, which is fantastic, to which Carrie said, well, that's, that's the sound system. <laughs> that's the setup. But it's been working fantastic now since all this team, it took every hand on deck, but it's possible to make things work in a new space. So we're so grateful and blessed to have everyone that makes that possible. Huge thank you. Would you just take a moment to pause with me in prayer as we prepare our hearts and ask God to open us up to the word that God has for us today? Our Lord and our God, your spirit is here, your presence. And it is your presence that makes this holy ground. We come to you, God, with a desire for open minds and open hearts and open hands. So would you speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you have been wearing something on your wrist that I only recently became open to. So uh, my husband Caleb asked, are you open to a Christmas gift? Uh, because this thing right here helps to inspire movement. It will buzz you and alert you to when you've been sitting at a desk so long. And maybe you might love this, you know, you might appreciate it like I have because He's like, it, I just have enjoyed it so much as he's been wearing his. And so I said, yeah, actually, I think I'm open to that. So I opened up this present and have now been wearing this thing on my wrist. And it does. It alerts you and gives you motivation to go move and to go walk and celebrate. You have closed your exercise ring. Celebration. Woo. Feedback. But what I didn't realize is that it not only encourages movement, but it encourages rest. Do any of you wear this while you sleep? Just, just so I can know, do any of you wear your watch while you sleep and you know how you sleep? Like, this is really, really ridiculous. And I'm going to show you because, you know, hey, there's only one night this entire week that it looks like this. It's in the green, folks, from last night. Woohoo! The rest of the nights didn't look like that. I'm just going to be honest. It's, if I flipped back in the history, you'd see like all red or yellow. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? It rates your sleep. Like 
how many times your sleep is interrupted and all of that. And it, it got me wondering, it got me wondering, how would we treat each other differently if we had the opportunity to walk up to someone and see how well they rested last night? Like, just like the lights on a car, like on the dashboard, like alert, alert, you know, like this light is on or this is flashing or, you know, the, the red flags. I wonder if we would handle those conversations with greater care if we knew what each person was going through and what they were facing. Caleb asked me uh, this last week why I didn't wear it one of the nights. I just left it on the bedside. And I said, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. I don't need to be told, because <laughs> there was a lot of interruptions. I don't need to be told that I didn't sleep well. I already know. I already know. So if we could become aware, though, not only of ourselves, but about each other, uh, I wonder how it might change. Because the studies show that we are walking around pretty sleep-deprived. National Sleep Foundation said that on any given day, 40 million Americans didn't get enough sleep. 40 million, when we are distracted, when we're rude, when we're a bit out of sorts, we could know why. We just need rest. We just need some rest. Rest is all the rage right now. You could Google right now and find uh, so many different articles and things telling you sleep is more important than you thought. If you just could get some more sleep, if you could just have a greater, deeper night's rest, we know our bodies are designed for this. It's becoming, though, harder and harder to live within this rhythm. There was a time this Christmas break that we drove to a hike, and as I drove there, I watched the bars disappear on my cell phone, and it's only in that moment, and I've had these moments several times where I realize how much I'm checking my phone after it's not available to me. And then it's like, oh! wake-up call, time for a digital detox, time to pull back. I've been checking my email so frequently that I just need to pause and to pull back to realize that rest is the invitation and is possible. For some of us, it's the, the need to put away screens like phones or like computers or like televisions, but some of you don't need any help from screens in order to stay awake the weight of emotional problems or stress can keep us just as well as the lights from screens. These things in our lives can rob us of the rest that we're designed for. The stresses are real. I want to just acknowledge that the stresses are real. And that if you are the parent of a young child or an infant especially, this message is not to add guilt onto your already sleep-deprived state. Or if you struggle with insomnia, or maybe your last night did not look so rested, just hear this as a gentle invitation. Because what we're focusing on right now is the call to these practices, these rhythms, which means that they're by nature initiated outside of ourselves and are to woo us and invite us into the best possible way to live. That means it's not adding burdens of guilt. I loved Elder Patty's, like, the bags, like, the visceral relief when she dropped them. It's not to add another thing of, like, oh, you're not doing that one right or that one right, but an invitation. 
So this morning is an invitation as we hear the call to rest and maybe to call your mother-in-law and get a nap this afternoon if you have a young child. What God wants us to realize is that adulting isn't about keeping all the balls in the air, but about living in trust. That the life of a disciple in hot pursuit after Jesus, wanting to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and live in the rhythms of Jesus is living dependent on Jesus. Not saying I have it all in myself or that I understand all that needs to happen, but I will live dependent on you, even though I've been taught that adults pull up themselves by their own bootstraps and some of us come from families that really help to teach us valuable and important things like responsibility and follow through. But God is saying, I want you to learn dependence and I want you to learn trust. And then I want to teach you interdependence. So those of you who might struggle to reach out for help or to call someone, to not just think that you have one call to that friend when you need support, but you have more than one that you're invited to live in interdependence and trust with the people around you as well, because that's what it means to live in the rhythm of rest, a life of dependence, a life of vulnerability, a life of humanity, because the human life is a life that naturally has limits. But perhaps those limits are a gift for us today. So it doesn't mean you won't ever face insomnia. It doesn't mean you won't ever in certain seasons of life be lacking rest. But hear the words of Jesus once more like we heard so beautifully a moment ago. And turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. If you do have your uh, phone or you can look at the screen or you can pull out your Bible, but Matthew chapter 11, and you might even hear this with your name in it. Hear this as a word from God to you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened down. Anyone want to admit that you're feeling burdened or weary today? Anyone feeling like you're weary today? Just want to be honest for a moment? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Hear this from Jesus to you today. Given the struggles you're facing, this invitation is appealing. This invitation from God to say, come and experience my way of life. Come to me. I just want you to check in with yourself for a moment today. As you look back over the past few days, if you look back over this week, and then you find yourself right here today, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, where do you find yourself weary? Jesus doesn't always offer what we think we want. Many times I've prayed, God, I'm carrying a heavy load, and Jesus, I want you to take it away. And that's not what Jesus does. Instead, he says, come, I'll give you a different way. I'll give you my yoke. 
We're not promised that the burden will be removed, but that we'll walk with Jesus, learning and trust that a different yoke will be placed on us, that we get to walk along and learn from him. That was what we were invited to do from the beginning, walk with Jesus, learn his ways, understand what he is doing in this world and how we can join what's happening in this place. Some of us wish it was like, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, take my blanket upon you and curl up on the couch for a long time. Amen? Amen. Come to me, all you who are weary, and sip this lovely, refreshing smoothie under an umbrella in the sands in Jamaica. That sounds like a beautiful invitation, right? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I won't take you out of this world. I don't pray, Father, that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one as they live in this world. Not that you would be removed from it. Not that I would take you and put you in a different place. We're not called to a lifetime of vacation, but we're called instead to have the deepest companionship possible with the one who is teaching us what it looks like to truly live. So come to me, you're weary, it's not working the way that you're living, but I will over time teach you what it looks like to walk with me, what it looks like to trust me, what it looks like to live. Jesus says, just like they did back then, come and learn from me as your rabbi, I will teach you. The rabbi would say, come to the student, and the yoke was known as the rabbi's teaching. So the students would come along and they would say, let me take on your yoke. And they would then take on the teaching of that rabbi and they would know how to live following after that rabbi. And Jesus says, you can take my teaching upon you, but my teaching, instead of being burdensome, instead of my teaching weighing you down, it's actually something that is light. My yoke is easy and my burden light. Seventh-day Adventists believe that this gift of Sabbath is a gift from God given from creation. That we were made, and the very first day we were made as people, we were invited to Sabbath. So before we produced, before we stewarded, before we cultivated, before we cared for this entire planet that we were given, God said, come rest, come be with me, be with each other. And this is what shapes our lives as a called out people, that we were first created to rest. And most of us, it's the opposite. Rest is the reward after we do enough. So someone said today, I just feel guilty when I rest. And I think if we took an anonymous poll right now that over half the room might agree with them. That rest is not a reward for you producing, but rest is your birthright as God's creation, as a son or daughter of God. This was reiterated in the, in the fourth commandment where God says, I want you to rest and I want all those who come into contact with you to rest. I want your animals and your livestock and I want your foreigners that come visit you to learn that they can rest. And so God invites them I have a person that's very dear in my life and who is bringing up something with me about rest. And they're like, oh, you know all about that because you're Seventh-day Adventist. You guys are all about rest. 
right? You guys know how to rest better than anyone, right? Of course. As you do, you Sabbath, right? But perhaps, perhaps you as people who have received this gift, whether from birth, some of you, or whether later on in your life, perhaps we can still walk with our teacher and learn more of what it means to live in that rhythm of rest. Perhaps there's even more that we can learn about the practice because these calls of God are all about practice. So if you find yourself uh, wanting a deeper Sabbath practice, wanting a deeper practice of rest, just know that this is a practice, just like prayer is a practice and finding God in scripture is a practice. This is also an invitation to practice. I read this book by Ariana Huffington called Thrive. She's the founder of the Huffington Post, and she shares the importance of rest. She crashed, she burned, she flamed out uh, because she was just going too hard. And so she talks in this book about sleep, uh, about stillness, about wholeness. And she says in her life that it needs to not be a badge of honor how busy we are that she made a comeback after complete burnout. And so I was startled to listen to her and then to hear these words from the audiobook that I was hearing. It said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor the foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But God rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Perhaps you've even memorized those words. But here she is saying, there have been a people that have had this. The Jewish people have this practice of rest that's core to their practice and identity as people. So they talk about this and live this. And so she says, it's so vital and important for us to rest. Think about this for a moment. Just as strongly as God commands you to not take the, Lord thy, the name of the Lord thy God in vain, God commands you to rest. Just as strongly as God says, don't commit adultery against your spouse, God says, you need to rest. Just as strongly as God says, thou shalt not murder, God says, you shall rest. That's how strongly God knows that core to who you are, core to who I am, is understanding that we need to know our place and our part in creation. Because as we rest, we are reminded of who God is and we're reminded of who we are. I just reread the book of Genesis and half of Exodus so far. But remember that what happens in this big narrative is that God brings God's people to Egypt and Joseph was a part of the redemptive plan of God by providing food for the entire world. And that what was meant for evil, God uses for good to save many people's lives. But then the book of Exodus begins with these words, that there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, right? And suddenly the people, God's people, the God, people God protected and provided for and nurtured, God's people become slaves. And so 
core to our life and understanding as Christians is a story of a God who brings us to freedom. And there's this recounting of how God led his people out of Egypt and out of slavery. And there was this perspective that the people had that they had fallen so firmly entrenched into the ways of slavery that they didn't even hardly know that they needed to be free. So when Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let us go, and God says, my people will go and worship on this holy mountain, he doesn't even start with, you're going to be freed from slavery. He starts with worship. He starts with, let's go worship, because as we worship, we come to remember who we are and who God is. And then the people, what do they do? They say, you've made it harder on us because now the straw that was provided for us is no longer available to us. You're messing up our lives, Moses. Inviting us to come worship, inviting us to be free was considered messing up their lives. They had so forgotten who they were. They had so forgotten who God was. So this message for us today is to come out of wherever we are, the patterns, the ways, the customs, the how many bricks did you make this week? being the sign of our worth and value. Because the people had become so closely identified with their slavery that the Sabbath was critical to their story of redemption. Come out. Remember that you weren't made to find your worth in what you do. You weren't made to find your worth in how many bricks you could make and how you produce. This is how we were designed from creation. You had intrinsic value. So the message for us today is that your worth and your value don't come from what you make. They don't come from what you do. Your worth and value doesn't come from how productive you were, but because you are God's beloved. You are God's child. You are God's disciple. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. And God sees you and values you. In the gospel accounts, we see how Jesus lived this out that Jesus on Sabbath, you'll find him doing good. You'll find him pulling away by himself very early in the morning so he can spend time with God. You'll find him in nature with his disciples. You'll find him healing, bringing life and strength. And you'll find him in good company, surrounded by his friends. You'll find him doing these things that are restorative. And he didn't always successfully hide from the crowds when he needed alone time, but we find him practicing these things that we're invited to, to take time. I, I want to invite you for just a moment, if you could, take a moment to pull this out. You saw this in your bulletin, and there's, there's two different translations of Matthew 11, one by Eugene Peterson that I love. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I love that. I'm going to ask our pianist, amazing, if you could play for just a moment. I want to invite you to reflect on this and maybe you could pull up Matthew 11 even on the screen if people don't have this or you can grab it. The deacons will be happy to give you one. But I want to ask you right now to reflect, what is God inviting you to? How is God inviting you to come today? 
just take a moment with this verse for just a moment. Notice what stands out to you. Notice what the Spirit is inviting you to even in this moment. And I just invite you to pause for just a few moments to think about what God is inviting you and speaking to your heart with regards to rest today. and pray the conversation continues between you and God that you heed the invitation of God because you friends we are no longer slaves we're no longer slaves to our thoughts to our striving to our work we're no longer slaves to the approval of others I wonder what rest means in your life and in your heart right now because to be a called out people is to live called out into this rhythm of rest, liberated to worship, to bring glory to God with our lives. This one is the one of the calls that doesn't come as easy for me. There are ones that come quite naturally for each of us, like just like on all of those fitness assessments, drinking water, yes, that's my thing. Some of you, that's not your thing. For some of you, strength training is your thing. I want to be like you when I grow up. We each have different things that are our thing, that are easy or natural for us. Rest, it takes practice. I'm better at it now than I was before, but there are things that we practice and there are so many times God just whispers to me this core value, which is you cannot offer what you're not experiencing. Come. That's what God says to me. You can't offer what you're not experiencing, so come. So if you would say to people, Sabbath is so important, it's so special, you're called out, come, live this way. Is God whispering to you? You can't offer what you're not experiencing. I want to meet with you. There were times this week I just stopped everything and God said, just rest in me. The curious pairing of this rest with this yoke in Matthew chapter 11 is that we're invited to walk right alongside Jesus bound with him. As one commentator says, perhaps we're being challenged to consider that the most fruitful and productive of all labors is precisely that which brings our souls closest to God. 
the most productive, the most abundant life is available when my soul is closest to Jesus. It's only when I'm close to Jesus that I can be who I'm called to be. So I want to share with you one of those intimate moments, one of those prayer moments for me um, that was really profound, that was really important and special to me. Um, It's from a little while back, a couple years ago. One of our children sleeps very well. One of our children wakes more easily. Does anyone have one of each or a few of each? (laughs) Yes. Each child is different. They are not all the same. Someone just told me Thursday, I promise you, they said, if my second born was my first born, they would be the only child. (laughs) That's not the case. I'm not saying that, but it was really hilarious and it made me laugh. But one thing that my husband and I read in a child development book early on, as we just had baby Josiah in our arms, was that it said that when your children take developmental leaps, there will often be sleep disturbances. It was helpful for us. We would say to each other whenever there were sleep disturbances, wow, look at that neurological development. (laughs) Really, it helps. It helps. It's a positive reframing, you know? Like, because so much of parenthood is moderating your own response, right? Because you are alongside this small human as they develop and grow and learn to regulate. And so your job is to regulate yourself as you're alongside this human that is really learning how to regulate, i.e. read. They're not regulating, right? So you come alongside. So this was one of those days when it was really early morning, frequently, that we were coming alongside and assisting in that way. So our child was waking up, and we were each taking different shifts, he and I, Caleb, as we slept. And between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m., the wake-ups were frequent. So during my shift, I wrote in my journal this, I woke up at 1.45 as this child woke up again. Now it's 2.33, and I find myself coaching them on their rest. I came in there, and I was, like, trying so much, and I put my hands on them, and I said, inhale, I am safe. Exhale, I am loved. I want you to just try that for a moment. Inhale, I am safe. Exhale, I am loved. I kid you not, this week when we had the earthquake here, there was a group of kids studying the book of Revelation, and they were studying about natural disasters as the earthquake started. I'm not even kidding. You couldn't orchestrate that in the way that it happened. The seven trumpets at the moment an earthquake hits, really. And so I I actually said this to one of them. I want you to just pause and say, I'm safe, I am loved, because it was a moment. It was a moment. So I was saying this to my child, I am safe, I am loved. And I wrote down this bit of conversation that I recount for you. I said, your job is not to sleep. You can't make yourself sleep. Your job is to pray and to breathe. The little one laughed, then four. I thought I had to sleep. You told me I had to sleep. (laughs) Suddenly a lightness in their voice. Mommy, I thought I wasn't sleepy, but I really am. 
And I say me too. I thought I had to make it happen. I thought I had to, but I realize I don't. So you're invited to breathe. You can't make rest happen. You can't even make yourself Sabbath. You can't even make yourself live in this rhythm of rest. You don't know how. You don't know how to make meaning in your life or do each of these things to make sure that you're rested. But you are invited to trust. You are invited to breathe and to pray. You can't ensure that there is an abundant life, but Jesus says, I will give you abundant life. We need only to trust. So each week, the Sabbath is an invitation to live in the deep rest of God, to live in this rhythm, to live in the freedom that God calls you to be who you truly are, to live from who you are at your core, which is that you are not what you produce. You are a beloved child of God. You are liberated to love God. I am safe. I am loved. There's a song being sung by all of creation, a song of worship that we are invited to join. You and I are invited to be a part of it because we were designed to be worshipers. We were created to worship. Not created to start the next day with work, but created to worship and spend time in the presence of the living God. Worshippers of God, seekers of justice, lovers of those around us, courageous, faithful, generous, true. That's who you are. On Sabbath, we're reminded of what it looks like to truly be human, to live fully into this identity. I want to sing this song. I wonder if you do too. I want to enter into the rest of God. I wonder if you do too. How? Jesus just says one word. Come. <laughs>